listening to these people. So we've got to simulate. We've got to act like they got it. God forgive me. God forgive us. Amen. I'm going to make a statement I've been making. And I know it's going a lot of fire. And it's going to keep going a lot of fire. But the revival that God is going to give in this last day is going to bypass denominations. And it's going to bypass Pentecostals. Pentecostals is not going to have it. You understand? Pentecostals is not going to have it. Because we got veils on our faces. And we're dependent upon things that God never intended for us to be dependent upon. And we're satisfied to look like we've always looked. And we said, why? Neat things? Man, I'm spiritual. I don't have no jewelry on. I'm spiritual. I've got long sleeves. I'm spiritual, the men said, because my hair don't touch my ears or my collar. And the woman says, I'm spiritual because I can sit down on my hair. It reaches all the way past my waist. Amen. What do you tell your husband off this week for? If you're so spiritual, where's the spirit of subjection of a meek and a quiet spirit that the Apostle Paul talks about? Come on now. Man, if you're so spiritual, where is the scripture that teaches to love them that is mindful of you, sir? Hallelujah. Do God to them. Love your enemies. Uh, amen. Oh, you don't have to do that, Brother Morgan, if you're Pentecostal. Mm. We need to confess the works of the flesh and acknowledge the absence of the fruits of the Spirit and ask the Lord's mercy and to give them to us. Amen. Now let's look at some Pentecostal veils. I looked at some of them more now. And I think a scripture that has been butchered, the one I'm fixing to read, Matthew 16 and 19. And Jesus said to Peter, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen. So the ministers say, I got the right to bind this. In whose church? The whole body of Christ? Or in your church? Amen. What I bind on earth... The Lord's not going to bind in a neighbor church. Can you hear me? God hasn't called me to be a corrector and a standard setter of the whole body. In fact, God hasn't called anybody to do that. But there has been so many people that has attempted until we've got accumulation of so many things that divide people into so many factions. There's so much fraction between people and so much friction until when you come into people's presence, you can feel that growing up. Oh, but so-and-so's here. I don't like him because, you know, he don't do it like I do. He ain't supposed to. And it's not any of your business that he don't. 
And it's not any of my business. So, hallelujah. The Bible did say to work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. That's the scripture. Amen. Whatever I find on earth, God will bind in heaven. That's all right. If you want to do that in your church, do it. But the Bible also said, whatsoever you loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. I've got the right to loose some things that is unscriptural that has been bound in this church. Hallelujah. All right, now, let's look. Are, are you willing now to go to the Word of God with me? Are you going to take what the Word of God said? Now, there may be a number of people that leave this church after I get through tonight. Members. Amen. And I don't want that. I don't want that. But I'm going to pull my mask off tonight. We're going to unveil ourselves before God. And we're going to plead the mercy of God for a Holy Ghost revival in Jones County. Hallelujah. That's going to turn this place upside down. I always thought for years that revival was going to come because God was going to kick in an extra dynamo of power at this end time and we were going to get a charge we never had before. But God spoke to me and said, that's not the way the revival is going to come. It's going to come as a revelation of my word. What my word said is right. What my word said is important. And if it's not in there, I don't care who said it. It's not important. Go back to the world. And there's Baptist preachers across this country by the hundreds that are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost and baptizing their converts in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And somebody said, what are we Pentecostals going to do if God gives them the revival? Amen. We could have revival too if we have the guts they had and say, hey, look, we're wrong. There's nine spiritual gifts and they are in the church. There's nine fruits of the Spirit and every Christian ought to have them. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is for you. You can't speak in tongues and they're doing that. Amen. Yeah, they are. They're pulling their veils off. Here we Pentecostals are. Bless God. If there's smoke, don't go up my chimney. It ain't smoke. Oh, excuse me, brother. I didn't mean to hit you the light. I really plan on knocking you down. Bless God to get in the way again. I'll do it. I heard what you said about me, you double-barrel hypocrite. Bless God, I'm going to blast you the next time I get a chance. Song leader gets up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hold on, thing now. Well, it don't matter what you're going to say. It ain't going to do no good. (laughs) 
I don't care how much you shout, it ain't no good. I don't care how loud you play your instrument and how pretty you sing, it ain't no good. You got a mask on. You got a veil on. And you haven't come with an open face to behold the glory of God. And you're not going to be changed into his image from glory to glory until you get a veil off. And that's a welcome to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's saying, come here, Lord Jesus. I know I'm not all I'm supposed to be. Amen. All right, you ready? First Peter chapter 3. You've been waiting for it a long time. You hang on to the word. Verse 1. Boy, Pentecostal ladies like that verse 3. They don't like one much. Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husbands. That if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be one with the conversation of the wife. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear at your godly demeanor. Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning. He's talking about winning your husband. If you're going to win your husband to Jesus Christ, you don't win him with outward adorning. By plaiting your hair. You know what the word plaiting means? It means interweaving. That's the way most Pentecostal ladies speak it. And Paul's not saying that's wrong. But he said, don't use that as an enticement to win them to Christ. Don't depend on that external. Hallelujah. Now, I'm reading it out of the book. It's in your book, too. I'm going to shock you tonight. Are and of the wearing of gold. He said, don't depend upon what you do in the fixing of your hair and the gold that you wear to save your husband. Now, don't get up and run off. Stay seated. Amen. Amen. Unless you got an emergency and have to go to the restroom. That's the only emergency I'm going to honor now, okay? All right. The wearing of gold. Now, let's look at it squarely in what the Word of God says. Or the putting on of apparel. Do you know what apparel is? You know what apparel is? That's clothing. If you can't weave your hair and you can't wear gold, you can't wear clothes. I'm reading it to you right out of the Word of God. And you say, why in the world have you preachers made such an issue out of it all of these years? I'm going to tell you before I'm through tonight. And you don't want to leave for nothing, do you? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you enough scripture that will choke you. If you want to be choked. Amen. So this is an idiom. A Hebrew idiom is a manner of speaking that is peculiar to a particular race. It being uh, our language, being a Hebrew idiom, it is, a, it is peculiar to the Hebrews. And this is an idiom. An idiom is when you max, minimize the first statement with the word only 
and you maximize the second clause with the word, but rather more importantly. God said to Jacob, Thou shalt no longer be called Jacob, but thou shalt be called Israel, for thou art prince with God and hast prevailed. God turned right around in the latter chapter of the book of Genesis, one of the latter chapters, and he said, Jacob, Jacob! Did God lie? No! What God is using is an idiom. He said, no longer shalt thou be called Jacob only. That's the idiom, only. But rather, more importantly, thou shalt be called Israel, for thou art a prince of God. Jesus said, labor not for meat that perisheth, but for that eternal meat. And then Paul said, if a man don't provide for his family, he's worse than it is for the all denied the faith. Here's an idiom. Labor not for meat that perisheth only, but more importantly. There's a lot of Hebrew idioms in that book. Amen. Samuel told, the Bible said, that Israel rejected Samuel. And God turned right around and said, Samuel, Israel has not rejected you. They have rejected me. Is God a liar? They did reject Samuel. And the book says they did. No, he's not a liar. He said, thou, they have not rejected you only, Samuel, but more importantly, they have rejected me. So what Paul Peter is doing here, he is saying, who's adorning that which you use to win your husband to God, let it not be that outward adorning, anything that you have outwardly, of the plaiting of the hair, of the wearing of the gold, or the putting on of apparel, which is clothing, but more importantly, let's read the idiom in there, who's adorning, let it not be that outward adorning, plaiting the hair, of the wearing of gold, or the putting on of apparel only, but more importantly, let it be the hidden man of the heart. But Pentecost don't think it's more important that the hidden man of the heart be right. Because after all, blessed God, if you wear your veil, you don't have to have a right heart. You go right ahead. Praise God, I'm holy because I don't wear jewelry. You're crazy. Do you wear clothes? Was, Paul, was Peter saying be a nudist? You better get it in perspective. The devil has deceived us. And I'm going to talk about Jordan before I'm through tonight. And you know how much I like? Is how much I got on. <laughs> That's my business. And I'm going to tell you how much that is, what I got on my belt buckle and what I got on my spenders. And you know why I'm wearing a belt and suspenders? <laughs> Praise God. And hey... Mr. God-man, it ain't none of your business what somebody else wears. That's what's wrong with Pentecost. You forced your little ideas. I've done it for 28 years, and I'm so ashamed. I talked to the former pastor of this church the other day. I said, Brother Lawrence, I want you to show me one scripture in that book. We spent four hours face-to-face, nose-to-nose, book between us. Two books, fact, his and mine, Bibles. And I said, I want you to show me one scripture that will tell me that a person will go to hell for wearing jewelry 
you and I have preached it all of our lives. Uh, show me a scripture. He said, there is no scripture. And I ask him the same question you want to ask me. Why did you do it? We didn't have sense enough to know better. Now, you folks that want to keep on pretending that you're right with God just because you don't wear jewelry, your walk with God is going to be even more downhill in the future. It's been up to now. Because when you take your veil off, you got to get right. Hallelujah. When you start acknowledging, Lord, I have been leaning on some false hopes. Amen. And I'm not saying you folk now run out and put yourself in the hawk until you can't pay your way out of debt for, for, for ten years. Amen. Lowering yourself down with this. And with that, Romans 14 and 14 said, To him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. You're not ready to take any victories in some areas because you've got a weakened conscience that Pentecost preachers put on you. And it would hinder your walk with God if you went out and did a bunch of things. I'm not saying, hey, you go do this, or hey, you go do that, but I'm telling you to pray before God that the Holy Ghost will speak to your heart. You've got the Holy Ghost, don't you? I said, you've got the Holy Ghost, don't you? And if you do, use it. And I'm going to eat every page in this book that tells me that somebody, what about the men? There's no scripture that says it's a sin for a man to wear jewelry. Amen. Somebody said, well, praise God. What was wrong five years ago is wrong today. It is. But a lot of things, just because we thought was wrong five years ago, didn't make it wrong, and it don't make it wrong now. All right? Hey, I'm asking for a book. Somebody here in this room want to stand up right now and give me a verse of script? I don't want your theory. I don't want your idea. I don't want to hear what some other preacher somewhere down the road told you. I want a scripture that tells me that a woman or a man will be lost because they've got jewelry on. I want you to stand up and give it to me. Give me a scripture to teach it. I'm probably going to deal with some of those areas that your mind might go through right now. So you might not always jump out and wait into it yet. Oh, I didn't finish reading that. Oh, there's some stuff there that is strong. Hey, you like truth? If it come out of the Word of God, is it truth? Amen. I'm losing some friends here tonight, and I'm sorry. But it's true anyhow. I may be losing some members. But God's going to send a revival. And I'm not saying it to lose anybody. I'm saying it because I'm pulling my mask off. Amen. Peter said, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meat and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. And by the way, there will be tapes enough for everybody to take these home with you if you want them. Not done in a corner. Amen. For after this manner in the old time, now listen to it, the holy women also who trust holy women, praise God. Holy women don't do something. That's right. That's right. Ye man who trusted in God, adoring themselves. Peter's fixing to tell us about somebody who is a very, very good example of what he's talking about. 
being in subjection to their own husband. Oh, no, Pentecostal women don't have to do that. They got other things that they do. All right, let's go to the holy women. Amen. Even as Sarah, oh, Sister Sarah, praise God, Brother Morgan, Sister Sarah never wore any jewelry. Brother Abraham was too godly. He never would let Sister Sarah wear any jewelry. Well, that's great. Isn't that wonderful? Godly Sister Sarah is obeying what Peter's talking about here. And it's because of the influence of Father Abraham. Father Abraham, oh, the father of the faith. Oh, that's great. Well, let's go back to Genesis chapter 24. And I understand you preceded me on that too today, Brother Glenn. Amen. Son of Jesus, Brother Tyler, let's look there now. Genesis 24, and let's look at verse number 22. Now, if you're not ready for the word of the Lord, just close your Bible and stuff your ears. You folks that you folks that's not ready to hear truth, if you don't want to hear it out of the word of God, just for the next five minutes, do your ears like this. Okay. And it came to pass as the camels had done drinking. Now, who was this? Eliezer, who sent him Father Abraham. What for? To get a bride for the son of the promise, Isaac, who's a type of Christ. Who's the bride? Rebecca, who's the type of the church. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel's weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels' weight of gold. And look at verse 53. And the servant brought forth jewels, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah, also gave to her brother and to her mother precious things, who gave Eliezer, the priest, which is type of, or rather the, uh, uh, the servant of Abraham, which is type of the minister, these precious gifts. Do you think he had them? Abraham had them. Abraham's one gift. Do you think righteous Abraham would give his daughter-in-law gifts that he wouldn't let his wife wear? Now, don't be stupid. I would not give Kathy wicked gifts that I wouldn't let righteous Sister Morgan have. Okay? That's right. Now, would you tell me that Sarah never wore any jewelry? Sure, she wore it. Now, you holding on real good? Brother Morgan, why rock the boat? You got to get your veil off, church. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 16. I want to read, start in verse 8. Picture the bride of, of God again, Israel. Type of the church. God is a husband. Israel is a bride. And God said, when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was a time of love. In other words, you were ready for marriage, and I spread my skirts over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yeah, I swear to thee and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord, and thou becamest mine. Now, God said to Israel, you know, we come into a contract of husband and wife, use my bride. Then I washed thee with water, yea, I thoroughly washed away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil. I clothed thee also with watered work and shod thee with badger skins. I girded thee about with fine linen. I covered thee with silk. 
I deck thee also with ornaments. I put bracelets upon thy hands and a chain on thy neck, and I put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings in thy ears and a beautiful crown upon thine head. Thus wast thou decked with gold and silver, and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk and broidered work. Thou didst eat fine flour. If these other things was wrong, eating fine flour and honey and oil is wrong. And thou wast exceeding beautiful, and thou didst prosper into a kingdom, and thy renown went forth among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect through my commonness which I put upon thee, saith the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Now, that's just a type, Brother Morgan. Would God use a type of something that is so horrible and wicked and damning and will send somebody to hell as a type of something that is good and valuable and beautiful? You know he wouldn't. You say, well, I don't care what you say. It ain't going to make me no difference. I'm going to keep wearing my veil. I'm not telling you to put jewelry on. I'm telling you to get your veil off. Amen. I'm not telling you to go down here to Browns tomorrow or Zales or whatever, Mr. Brown out there, and you're going to load up. No, 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 no. You folks that think I'm trying to say this is not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying, quit depending upon something external that don't make you right. Get your veil off. Amen. All right. Now, verse number 15. Somebody said, yes, but she played the harlot. But let me show you. The spirit is what caused that. But thou didst trust in thine own beauty. That's where she went wrong. Amen. These things were not wrong because if they were, God was wrong in giving them to her. And God is not wrong. He'd never been wrong. Amen. Now, <laughs> it was the wrong spirit that produced that. Now, who is the high priest to type of? Jesus Christ. He was the, excuse the language, he was the most dressed up character. I was going to say dude, but I don't like that. He's the most dressed up character of the Old Testament. Exodus 28 and 15. Boy, look at him. And thou shalt make the best place of judgment. This is what the priest is going to wear with cunning work. After the work of the ephod, which thou shalt make it, of gold and of blue and of purple. Well, you think he wasn't dressed up in them threads? And of scarlet, man, red, purple, blue, and gold. And the fine twine, many thou shalt make it. Four squares shall be among it, shall be being doubled. A span shall be the length thereof, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And thou shalt set in it settings of stones, even four rows of stones. And the four first rows should be a sardis, a topaz, and a carbuncle. This should be the first row. And the second row should be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a ligure, and a gate, and an amethyst. And I probably didn't pronounce them right. If you can, well, more power to you. And the fourth row, a burl, an ox, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their enclosing. Praise God. And bought them trees. Got to put on all of that gold. And all of those pearls and all of those diamonds. And oh, man, you think he wasn't spruced up. Ain't nobody dressed that flashy in here. 
And God didn't say, hey, you devil, you, what are you doing? Dressing up that flesh. God's the one gave them orders. Why? Ain't none of your business. God just wanted it. Just like it ain't none of your business how somebody else dresses up. Amen. See, veiled people always cast away their own responsibility to their soul by pointing the finger at somebody else that don't measure up in an area that is visible. When they don't measure up in areas that is invisible. Amen. Oh, my Lord. Amen. It causes... It causes us to trust in our ability to resist the drive to go get all dialed up. Well, if that's what it takes to go to heaven, an infidel can do it. Did you hear me? I don't make righteousness. Hey, let me tell you what. Catholic nuns put us to shame. Catholic priests put preachers to shame. They, they wear black. And just a little white collar turned backwards. Amen. Now you're talking, I'm talking about in the areas of the externals. The, 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 what do they call these folks that still, they go the horse and buggy route. I think maybe they go in. Back beyond that. What are they? Mennonites? Okay. I mean, some of them don't even believe in motors. They won't, they won't, they wouldn't use a motor in it. They believe in a horse and a buggy. They believe in a horse and a plow. Amen. They believe in a, they, they wouldn't no more ride in a motorized car for nothing. I've seen them up in Tennessee. Boy, they here they go in them black buggies. Amen. All the guys got beards. Well, let's talk about beards. Amen. I'm glad I thought of that. Man, we don't even have to have a scripture that sort of insinuates something. We make one. Now, any hippie that come along in the 60s that wore their beard out of rebellion, they were wrong. But their beard wasn't wrong. Their heart was rotten and their bodies were filthy. And their minds were vulgar. And they were... They copped out on drugs and booze. Amen. Amen. Today, doctors and lawyers and even preachers wear them. And it ain't none of your business. Work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I'll tell you how much facial hair I like is what I've got. I wish I had a little more on top. <laughs> but there ain't no scripture, honey. And God didn't make you the judge of that man that's got a beard. 
cheered on. I don't like them anyway. But you give me a scripture against them and I'll preach against them. Oh, I got one preacher. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Amen. Okay, I'm going to bind something. You don't eat nothing else. Bless God. Amen. I'm going to bind you. I ain't got no right to bind you. You got no right to bind nobody else. But they're not my preferable lifestyle. Well, hoop to do. Amen. Somebody said, well, one reason I don't like God that church said, they always got some old sinners out there that got long hair. Honey, let me tell you something. I'd rather have a hungry sinner than I had a veiled hypocrite. And the church is not for people who's right. The church is for people who's trying to get right. And the people's got to look right in order to go to your church. Just tell them to go to Brother Morgan's church. Fill it up with harlots. Fill it up with drug addicts. Fill it up with broken arms. Fill it up with people that's on the bottom. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. Hallelujah. They don't sleep too bad. They're not bound too low to come in Jesus Christ. Save them from the that's what God's called the church to do. You hear me? I said that's what God's called the church to do. To reach out to that lost sinner and bring them to Calvary. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. I wish I could cut a flip and land on my feet. But I'd probably land on something else. I like old time Pentecost. Hallelujah. Bless God, I've been to church all of my life, and I ain't ever ever changed yet. Yeah, you have. But you hadn't changed what people could see. You changed. I got 30 more minutes, and I'm going to quit because I don't have strength to continue. Not because, I, not because I'm through. Or not because I'm defeated. I don't have strength. Amen. Musicians, sing your drama. Amen. That's going to deal with First Corinthians chapter 11 tonight. Open my Don't have time. Amen. Amen. Now let's go back. Thank you, Jesus. Feel the Holy Ghost. I'm not deceived by that. 
If you don't agree with me tonight, I still love you. But I'm right. Because the book is right. Amen. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Now let me say First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9. I plan on dealing with that too. I've got it in here. Amen. The key word in that verse 9 is modesty. And if you've got the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost with a tender conscience will help you know what to do without somebody listing you a bunch of laws and bringing you under bondage. Stand with me. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now what I want you to do right now is bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to turn your eyes inward. I'm not going to ask you to do it all of it before this crowd tonight. But I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. That in the next 24 hours, that you're going to get alone. And you're going to confess to Jesus Christ. All of your bondages. All of your own spirits. All of your own attitudes. All of your own motives. All confess to God. The fruits of the Spirit that you don't have. Amen. Lord, I don't have love. And I don't have peace. And I don't have joy. If you don't have that, you're not even in God's kingdom. Because Jesus said, my kingdom is not meat and drink. But it is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you don't have this, then you don't have God. And if you don't have God, you're not a Christian. You're not a child of God. You have depended on all of your externals all of your life. And that's what I did. Under God spoke to me and my communication with him. And he said, son, you're not right. Amen. You're not right. You've got feelings in your heart that is wrong. And you're not right. And you're not going to be right until you confess it to me. And down on my knees I wept. Amen. So my carpet was wet with tears. Lord, Lord, take it all out of me. Here I've learned how to do all these things all of these years. How do I come even to your place now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I give this, 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 this work here to you, Lord. It's your kingdom now. I'm not going to take any credit or any glory. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm taking my veil off. I'm taking my veil off. I come into your presence, Lord. Change me into the image of your glory. Hallelujah. Let me learn how to live the kind of Christian life that you lived and that you taught that a child of God should live. For it is the manner of living that was your lifestyle. Hallelujah. I don't want to lie to you anymore, Lord. No use me lying to God. He knows all the, all about it anyway. Amen. Now, I'm not going to get up here and tell you all the things that I said to God. But I'm going to tell you when I got through, I felt like my soul had a good bathing in the cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. What a joy came to me. 
Oh man, I couldn't wait till six o'clock. Or when I woke up, I couldn't wait to get up. I went back into the living room that next morning after being up till two o'clock that night. Oh man, I was on my knees again, weeping before the Lord. Praise God. It's your business, Lord. It's not my business. It's your business, Lord. Hallelujah. I wonder how many of you in this room right now you said, well, Nate, Pastor, and you need not have to be a member of this church. And I'm not trying to bring you into membership of this church. Amen. My preaching is not designed to impress you, to draw you away from where you are. Amen. I would not encourage that at all. Amen. But what I am saying, if you want to be unmasked, and you want to be unveiled, and you want to make a commitment to God, and tell him, Lord, you don't have to stand outside and ask for entrance into our service again or into my heart. I want my veil moved and I want to be changed into your glorious image that I'm seeing in the mirror of God's word. I want you to step out and make your way down this aisle and stand. There's not room for everybody to be on. So don't take that extra room. Just come and stand. Amen. Come all the way down to the front. Don't leave any room between you and the person that fell out. Me with your message once again, Lord. It used to, as girls, you know, look like they wore clothes that were sprayed on. Now the guys look like they're wearing them sprayed on. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. You know, it's sort of like a... Uh, well, let me leave it alone. You know, I'm telling you the truth, anyhow. You haven't been down there Friday, Saturday night? Your children's going? Go down there and see what they're going down there for. And you'll tell them to stay out of the mall on Friday and Saturday night. Because there's a bad spirit there. That's right. All right, boy. Amen, Brother Morgan. It's not the place, it's the motive that's in the heart that is involved with all of this kind of stuff. All right, here's family out. Here's some folks. Praise God. They got all this hair fixed up. Some of them look like beehives. Tears, you know, rows of it. You ever see them look like they had oatmeal boxes in them? That's what Paul was talking about in First Timothy. Somebody. Okay. Well, they really had the spirit. I don't know what spirit they had, but whatever it was, they couldn't speak. If you don't have enough Holy Ghost to speak to people, saved or unsaved, you don't have enough of Holy Ghost. Because the spiritual conscience of a Holy Ghost-filled person will make them friendly. It'll make them kind. It'll make them gentle. Amen. In fact, the business, the Spirit of Jesus Christ will cause you to love your enemies. You can't speak to your enemy. You sure can't love him. I'm going to tell you folks, if there's anybody in this church that you have to walk around you've got the problem. 
Not them. If you got to walk around somebody because of an infraction, they, they, you know, they, uh, they, they, they want, you won't speak to somebody who has, uh, that, that maybe you feel like that, uh, or you've heard something. Hey, if you've heard something against somebody, to not speak to them, is totally contrary to what the scripture teaches. You're not to believe it without proof, number one, of two witnesses, good character witnesses. And then, number two, even if it is true, the Bible said to restore them. <laughs> Amen. That's right, restore them with the spirit of meekness. That, and, and for us to just wipe them off, just... To regard them as nothing, as nobody. We are less than they are. All right. I thought I'd drop that in for good measure. All right. Now, well, I tell you what, I don't like them because they do some things I don't believe in doing. Well, that's really going to help them. If there's anything, now, I know that over the years, I have the reputation of being hard-lined. I know I don't have that reputation anymore, and I don't lose sleep over that. That is not a thing on my conscience. Okay? Now, you know, like it's a... It's a great, horrible thing that, that a person don't preach as hard as they used to preach. There comes a time in your walk with God and concern for the spiritual kingdom that you quit trying to prove your spiritual macho. <laughs> I'll tell you how hard I am. Go ahead. Go ahead. I've already proven how hard I was. There's a lot of people in judgment today that I'm going to meet because I had that kind of spirit. And it's not because of age softening, and it's not because the liberals have got to convince me of anything at all. There's two things. Number one, the Word of God and a search in that Word. I'm spending hours every day searching the Word of God. I'm not shooting anything at random. The direction that, that, that I'm ministering in and everybody tending to everybody, uh, everybody tending to their own relationship with God is not some accidental thing that we happened upon. Amen. There is a liberation that the Word of God is going to give the people of God and it's not going to be a liberation from God's requirements, but it is going to be a liberation, a setting at liberty from those yokes of bondage that we have put on one another over these years. Amen. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen as a result of it. People are going to come in 
and they're going to live according to the law, not because there was a law, but because God wrote it on the tables of their heart by his Holy Spirit and put a spiritual conscience within them that will cause them to live according to truth without a list of don'ts and do's. And little deputy sheriffs running around saying, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do the other. Amen. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Let me go a little further. How far in this do you want me to go? You really want me to? If it's the word of God, let's go. Amen. If it's the word of God. Now. <clears throat> There's some tough things here. You think you can take it? Praise God. All right. Verse 14. Romans 14. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in itself. But to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him. To him. Now here, a few years ago, some folks come through preaching against eating pork and pepper. That's right. They made a doctrine out of it and they split churches all over the country. And so a friend of mine got off in that. And so one day we had a little discussion. I said, brother, I understand that y'all preach against pork and pepper. He said, we do. I said, you mean to tell me you don't eat pork anymore? He said, I don't eat it openly. Not so as anybody could tell it. <laughs> I said, you mean you don't eat pork around your church members or around these preachers that you run with? He said, no, I don't. I said, why? He said, they crucify me. I said, do you preach against pork? He bowed his head. He said, to run with the fellows I run with, you got to preach against pork. You preach against pepper? Yes, sir. Do you use pepper? He said, privately. One fellow come along and preaches against Cokes. And drinks Pepsi's like they were going out of style. I'm not talking about somebody far out. As far as a strong hard line is concerned, I'm talking about folks that are, we will accept it. 
Now, if that preacher believed that it was a sin to drink Cokes, to him it is a sin. That's the point I'm trying to get out uh, to you. He has a conscience he's got to live with, and it's this conscience condemns him over that. But why should we put all of these restrictions on people's consciences? Now, I know, you know, we're not going to ever do any of that here. But why should we restrict people to things that the Word of God don't say one thing about? But we force it. Force the issues. Amen. Now, there's nothing wrong with you thinking something is wrong. But what is wrong is when you began to make a doctrine out of it and use your influence to force other people to it. That's right. All right. Now, let's look at Acts 24 and 16. And herein do I exercise myself. To have always a conscience void, the word void means free, to always have a conscience void of offense towards God and towards man. In other words, he said, I want a good conscience. I don't want to have a bad conscience that is offended offensive towards God or towards man. I want to have a good conscience. You know, that's something we need to pray about. Lord, give me a, a good conscience. I don't want to have an offensive conscience against you. I don't want you offended at me. I don't want to have a conscience that is uh, offensive to others. I want to have a conscience that is void or that is free from offense to both God and to man. All right, let's go ahead and finish this up tonight. I've got, I've got 8.57, and I plan to be through within one hour of my starting time, and I've been up here an hour now. Now, Paul said, but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat. Here we go. We're going to go all the way with it. If thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. In other words, here is a vegetarian that does not eat meats. All right? And you are a meat eater. Paul has taken the side of the strong brother who is able to eat meats. He's able, he don't have a weak conscience. He's able to eat what his weaker brother is not able to eat. So he said, thy brother, which is the weaker one, is grieved with thy meat. Now walkest thou not charitably. The word chari uh, uh, charitably means to walk not in an attitude of love. Walk not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Now what he's saying is don't flaunt the liberty that you've got of eating meat in the presence of your brother whose conscience is so weak he can't eat meat, and his conscience can't stand you eating meat. 
He said, let not your good be evil spoken of. Now, there's one thing that's for sure. If you've got a weak brother that cannot eat meat and you eat meat, that judgmental spirit of that weak brother is going to speak against you. That's what peer pressure does. The peer pressure here in this church at Rome was trying to make the entire congregation vegetarians. He said, let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So he said, don't take your liberty in the presence of these vegetarians. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable unto God and approved to men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and, and things wherewith one may edify another. In other words, developing that. Here's the problem that Paul faced and that also is faced today. How many of you know what a cancer is? A cancer is a cell in the body that separates itself from the rest of the body and it only feeds itself. It gives forth nothing to uh, the body, uh, but it only draws unto itself and it begins to grow. It uh, feeds upon the bloodstream. And uh, it does not give back anything that it uh, brings into its little cell. And so it grows and it grows and it grows until it takes the life from the rest of the body. Now, Paul was aware of the fact that there was a possibility of the Roman church having two cancers. The one cancer would be the liberal side who is contentious of the uh, conservative side. And so the liberal side saying, we don't care what these Judaizers think. We are going to feed ourselves. And so they become a little program unto themselves, separating themselves from the body, and you've got to be a part of the body in order to be a part of the kingdom. Amen. God don't want a cancer in his church. There be no division, be no schism in the body. Right? That cancer feeds itself regardless of what the rest of the body's needs are. It only cares about itself and it says, I'm going to have my way. And then over here, you've got this other cancerous potential that begins to feed its sap. And you've got two cancers. And that is the purpose of the ministry, keeping those people from becoming a separate entity. Because when they become a separate entity, they become a cancer. Did you know why many, most church splits, or most churches that I know that starts out from another church in a bad spirit, with the motive that we're going to suck the blood of another church dry, 